Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a notable person indeed. He's a specialist in residential assisted living. Welcome to the show, Lo Hernbuckle. Hey, Victor. Thanks for having me. Lo, you've been at this a few years now, but you didn't start in assisted living. You started out in a completely different industry. Why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory? Well, I always kind of jokingly say when I tell my story, it's it's very natural to go from uh, selling Hondas at a Honda dealership to doing memory care. Uh, it's a very, very natural transition. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange journey, my friend. But I started off uh, in the car business, actually, and managed several, uh, several different brands, uh, Honda, Mercedes, Volvo. Jaguar and Land Rover. And that was, that was how I got my start in business and, and learned a tremendous amount. But I always knew that I wanted to you know, do something on my own. And I uh, had always been kind of investing in real estate on the side and uh, kind, of, kind of stumbled into assisted living. And I'm one of the lucky ones that happened to find uh, my purpose by accident. So it really is kind of just a, a stroke of luck. And also by the fact that I do listen to a lot of podcasts and do, and including this one, which is a great one. I really really enjoyed seeing uh, the growth of this podcast. But actually, I heard about residential assisted living on the Real Estate Guys radio and just dove right in. You know, I visited uh, some of your facilities in Dallas. And when you said you found your calling, I can see it firsthand because I see how the staff interact with you. I see how the residents interact with you. It's, it's more than just running a business. It's almost a passion project for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is not um, assisted living or memory care. You know, when you're taking care of somebody, it has to be more than just collecting rent and, and trying to control expenses. You, you really have to focus on the, the people part. You know, one of the things, too, uh, everyone probably uh, knows about the people part when it comes to uh, the residents, but, but also the staff. The staff have to love you. They have to love their residents and they have to love what they're doing because, you know, it's a tough job. And uh, so we really, you know, try very hard as a company to make sure the staff know that they're appreciated every day. And so they give that appreciation and return back to our residents. From a pure business standpoint, most businesses try to scale. They try and scale up. So more is better. It helps, you know, get better expense ratios. How does what you're doing distinguish from say the big box residential care homes? Basically in our business, um, we, most states have kind of a division between small and large, um, where basically uh, a care home would be considered a small facility. Um, some states that's 10 or under or 16 or under, whatever the number may be. And then the larger ones, typically they don't do, you know, they don't, if the cutoff is 16 uh, beds, for example, they don't do 20 beds. They typically do 100 beds or 200 beds. So just imagine um, the environmental differences between being in a 100 or 200 bed facility that's more institutional in feel versus being in kind of a small repurposed house um, that's been made ADA compliant where instead of having, say, 100 uh, housemates, so to speak, you have eight other housemates. So our, our business is quite different in the sense that we have more staff to take care of the residents. Uh, the ratios of staff to resident is better in our environment. And also it's a smaller footprint. So it's much easier to, you know, for a staff member to get to someone quickly if they're about to fall. And what's amazing is, is the, uh, the CDC studied this. And in February of 2018, they came out with a study that showed that people that live in 25 beds or under are le less likely to fall by a factor of 50%. So simply going from a small facility to a large facility would double your fall risk. And so it's just an environment that really, really prides itself on quality of care, quality of food, and quality communication. Those are really the things we focus on. 
in the big box facilities, you know, you've got people lining up for food. The food's been sitting in a warmer tray for potentially half an hour or more. What's the food experience like in, in these smaller facilities? Well, the first thing is in the bigger facilities, and, and you mentioned it, you can cook a great meal and then the transportation really takes a lot of the quality away. So a lot of times, you know, they're cooking in a commercial kitchen that may not even be in the same building and then it's the food's being transported or being served you know, to the, uh, to the residents, either steam style or, you know, it, it gets heated up by, by, uh, like I said, a warmer tray. So that's, that's a real challenge in their environment. Our kitchens are open. So the residents can, can see the food, they can smell the food. Uh, it's just like uh, living at home in that regard. And so basically the food becomes much more of an event in our environment, whereas, you know, they're served food restaurant style, our food is prepared in front of them. And some of our residents who are able to even participate in the, in the, in the, the cooking process if they want, or they'll assist the chef, so to speak. So it's just a whole different experience. And you can imagine someone that say has many memory loss, how that open kitchen environment could be um, very anchoring in the sense that if you wake up and you hear the coffee percolate and you smell the bacon and all that stuff, that's going to have an effect on making you feel like you're in a safe home environment versus sort of an institutional type setting you see in sometimes the bigger buildings. So the food is a very important part of the residential assisted living model. One of the things I'm seeing over and over again, as I read the reports that come out every couple of days, I'm seeing one major company after another reporting that assisted living is in fact overbuilt in many primary markets across the country. How does that make sense for you to come into that market that's potentially already overbuilt? There's really two main answers for that. Um, the first is is that I live in Dallas, and uh, Dallas is really not uh, not overbuilt just because it's had such an incredible economic expansion um, uh, really going on ten years now. And so Dallas has really been kind of immune to that. I think there are definitely some some markets that are overbuilt. Um, the other big challenge too that you may ask about later is there is there's definitely a, a crisis of of, of labor. Um, there's obviously a, a need for caregivers and uh, the staff that, that that run the homes. And uh, fortunately, again, Dallas has had a, a lot of population expansion. So every time when I'm doing job interviews, you know, probably a quarter of them are from, you know, people moving from Wisconsin or moving from California or moving from, you know, Louisiana, coming to coming to Texas, coming to Dallas. But the other the other main reason why it makes sense to to do this, even though it may seem like it's overbuilt, is we have such a unique selling proposition that we are capable of going head to head with very large, uh, very well-respected companies and consistently winning. And by winning, I mean getting the, the customer's business. And the reason is because we have such a unique environment. People move into assisted living initially, they see bells and whistles, they see amenities. You know, this, oh, the underwater treadmill in this movie theater. And, oh, and it's got, a, it's got a, a massage room and a sauna. And they just, they fall in love with the amenities. But what they forget, I think, is, is it really comes down to quality of care quality of food and quality of communication. And those are three things we really excel at. And so our average customer is someone that has gone into a large assisted living facility, not had their expectations met, not had their needs met, and they move into our, our smaller model because they feel like it's an alternative. It's one of those situations where we never really worry too much about that from the standpoint that we always know at the end of the day, even if it is a little overbuilt, that we can outcompete because we offer a product class that these larger companies just don't really understand. What a great story. Let's talk a little bit about the economics of assisted living. I mean, this is first and foremost, I would imagine a service business. That's where most of the effort goes in. Do you run it the same as a service business? Do you make it look like a piece of real estate? How, how does all that work? 
But now I talk to a lot of um, real estate folks in my in my day to day, and what I tell everybody is is that it is a op, it's an operations service business with a real estate component, which is very distinct from a real estate deal with a service component, right? So this is more of an operations service business. You <clears throat> definitely hit the nail on the head, but it obviously allows you, in my opinion, to use land in the highest and best use. Um, typically speaking, returns on assisted living are. I believe over the last 10 years has been the number one performing asset class in commercial real estate. And so what we, what we think of is, you know, let's take a piece of land or excuse me, a home and put it to its highest and best use. The idea for us is, is that um, if we're able to do that, we can control a, a piece of land. So I've got properties in some of the most prestigious neighborhoods in Dallas that long-term will, will, will eventually um, you know, have paid off or you know, reinvest those proceeds into other projects. So it's really a great way to control just ideal pieces of property in ideal markets. Secondarily, you can also, um, we're also in the process now of developing some, some projects and what most people would consider either a secondary or tertiary markets um, because we feel like, as you said, I do think that some of the major metro areas are overbuilt, but where there's been a real uh, lack of attention is in these secondary or tertiary markets where essentially a lot of the uh, major national players, they aren't, they aren't sitting in a boardroom somewhere trying to figure out how to, how to open up in the suburbs of major cities. And so um, for someone like us, it's small enough that we can go into those markets and, and nimble, but at the same time have such a unique product offering that we can come in and, and really solve a lot of problems. There's a lot of communities out there that are underserved and really need a product like ours uh, because not everybody needs to live in a 100 or 200 bed assisted living facility. Are you looking at converting existing homes or are you looking at building purpose-built residential assisted living? Well, since I started, uh, my, my dream was always to build a planned care home community. Um, so if you think about when you pull into a neighborhood, a uh, residential home neighborhood, uh, you know, it has a certain feel to it. And that's what I want to do. But instead of having single families live in those homes, have them be small, boutique-style assisted living and memory care facilities that are all self-contained. So right now we're working on some land development, um, a couple projects that we'll start off with uh, with five 16-bed residential care homes, but all on one campus. So you have all the advantages that a big building has in terms of having a central location, but you can create this beautiful you know, green space and each house is, house is self-contained. So if residents have very specific needs, they could choose to live with other residents that have similar needs. So for example, you could have a house that you know, cater to those that were diabetic. You could have a house that, you know, offered specialized meal plans, perhaps a kosher house. So the, the point of, the, of doing something that specialized is it allows you to, whatever need exists in the market, you can at any time pivot to that need and, and solve that problem. And that's a, that's a great way to really work in this, in this space because we find in, in larger settings, they expect their residents to kind of conform to them. So, for example, if uh, you're if you're in a larger building and the staff is prepared to get you up, you know, at seven thirty in the morning, uh, that's what time you're going to get up uh, because that's when the staff's making the rounds and doing that stuff. And so, it can be a lot harder process on the resident. With us, we're much more like, hey, if you want to sleep until ten, it's no problem because we have the staff ratios to come get you up at ten. We don't have to do such a regimented schedule. You know, if you want to eat your eat your lunch a little later, then we'll we'll put aside and heat it up in the microwave for you when, when you're ready to eat it. And just little stuff like that goes a long way in, in making the resident experience a lot more pleasurable.
I love what you're saying here. Talk to me a little bit about staff and where do you find your staff? Talk a little bit about staff retention because obviously that's one of the highest costs in any business is staff turnover. And I can imagine that in that industry, there's probably a fair degree of staff turnover. You know, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I always tell everybody when they get into this business, your top three problems are staffing, staffing, and staffing. That That is a that is definitely a big challenge. And it's not something that, that we claim to have, quote unquote, solved. Um, I don't think anybody in, in senior housing has solved this issue. And as I said before, um, there's definitely going to be some some tension coming down the road as more people start aging into assisted living. And then we don't have the corresponding number of caregivers to take care of them. Uh, so for us, there's a few things. Um, number one, a lot of people don't like to work in these big corporate environments where uh, there's so much structure that the structure can almost be a noose for their creativity. So we try to bring in just kind of that Goldilocks principle of structure. Like, hey, here we have we have a culture and we have we have structure, but it's not to the point that you're scared to try something new or do something that you think might benefit the resident. So we kind of give our staff a very simple guidance of happy and safe. If you can make the resident happy and safe, then you can always, it's okay. Whatever you're doing was okay. And if they're not safe doing it, then probably can't do it. And if it doesn't make them happy, well, then we have to evaluate happiness and safety together and figure out where that tension is. So we try to give our staff a little bit more ability to make decisions, to be empowered. And we find that goes a long way because sometimes in, in, in larger settings, they've always got someone over their shoulder almost just micromanaging them. And you know what? They've been taking care of people in some cases, 10, 20, 30 years. They, they don't need to be micromanaged. They need to just have their boss get out of their way and let them, let them give the care they know to give. The other big thing is, is that because it's more of a family environment, you know, we tell everybody, if you come to our house, it's going to look like Thanksgiving every day. Essentially, you have a large group of people. Um, they have a varying different needs, maybe at a couple tables, all kind of enjoying family-style dining. So the staff can interact with the residents. They can eat with the residents. You know, if we walk in the house and a caregiver's watching a movie with the residents, we think that's a good thing. You know, in a big building, if you're caught, you know, watching TV with with the residents, they're like, hey, you've got other residents to take care of. You need to get out of here and go go work. So they, they really almost take the caregiver socialization out of the process. And that's such an important part of, of the resident experience. You know, some residents don't have a ton of family that come by and they really bond with a caregiver. We and our model encourages that. So caregivers really like that piece of it as well, because a lot of caregivers that come to work for us, whether they're nurse aides or caregivers or, or med techs, they, uh, they tell us one of the number one reasons they leave the environment they're in is because they don't have the time to get to know the resident and they feel like they're putting out fires all day, every day. You know, when you're responsible for 12 residents or 15 residents and you have an entire hallway you know, you're just running from one fire to the next. Whereas, you know, in our environment, if you're responsible for say five or six residents, there's a lot more time for personalization. There's a lot more time to visit, to ask questions, to get to know them. And most people just need a little attention, nothing more than that. And so staff really enjoy that piece of it because it allows them to, they got in this business because they love taking care of people. They didn't get in this business for money. They got in the business because they want to help. And uh, we kind of get them back in touch with the part of the business they like the most. Boy, such a common sense approach, and it seems that common sense is so uncommon these days. I love what you're saying. So, Lo, if uh, someone wants to get in touch with you, find out a little bit more about what you're doing, potentially even consider investing, uh, how would someone get in touch with you? Well, first off, uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, 
one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, being uh, being in the space, I get asked a lot of a lot of questions all over the country, and I love that. So if you ever have any questions about family members or need anything in relationship to assisted living or memory care or independent living or skilled nursing, feel free to email me. Um, email address is l o e at the t h e sage s a g e oak o a k dot com. So low at the sage oak dot com. As far as uh, the investor piece goes, absolutely. They can send an email to the same email address, low at the sageoak.com. I generally like to set up just a, a brief introductory call and we talk a little about you know, our company and what our values are to make sure that the investor understands that you know, we're a company that's very service focused. And um, so, yeah, we can, uh, investors can certainly reach out to that email address and then we could um, we have a conversation about uh, what their wants and needs are as an investor. And see if uh, investing in senior housing could be a fit for for their needs. Um, so that's a, that's a big part of our company culture is, you know, we want to make sure that the investor is happy with the type of work that we're doing. And we feel like we really are adding value. So for some investors, it's, a, it's nice to be investing in something where they feel like they're doing good. Well, Lo, it's always lovely to connect with you. I love what you're doing. Uh, like I said, I can see it's definitely a passion project for you. Any final words for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I would say is I'll, I'll give you a, a shameless plug. Uh, you've been a, a big part of, of this journey. Um, you know, uh, I had uh, had Victor do some coaching for me and uh, just had fabulous results in a short period of time. So, you know, um, you know, you were a big part of the story, my friend. So I appreciate you having me on the uh, on the show and I appreciate uh, your mentorship and uh, look forward to uh, partnering together on future endeavors. Well, thanks for the kind words, Lo. And, you know, definitely, folks, if you want to get in touch with Lo, reach out to him directly at Lo at thesageoak.com or visit his website at thesageoak.com. He's doing some great stuff. And in the meantime, have a spectacular day. Make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 